going to open your Bibles with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, and as you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of a recap. We have been in the middle of a series called The Calm, The Calm, and Pastor Farrell has done a great job at really just walking us through the fact that in this life there will be anxiety and worries and troubles, and we can just keep going on this list, down and down and down the list. But the truth is, the Bible has given us instruction on how we can walk, listen to this, not free from anxiety in the sense that it will never come, but free from the bondage of anxiety. Can anybody say amen to that? The truth is, we don't want to be people that are bound by anxiety. We, want, we actually don't want to be bound by anything. We simply want to be gripped by the love of Christ. But we have to take what the scripture says and apply that in order for that to take place. It says that the worry and anxiety, it can actually rob you of your life because it, it, it takes away your focus from what God wants to do and puts your focus on the thing that's bringing that anxiety or worry. In fact, I love what Irma Bombeck said. She said, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but never gets you anywhere. We have two beautiful white rocking chairs on our porch. And uh, after a long days of work, I, I just tell my wife sometimes, like, I'll be right back. <laughs> and I just sneak out to the front yard and I ah, sit in a rocking chair and I rock. But what I notice is I don't go anywhere when I'm rocking. All the effort and the energy. Well, listen, worry is that way. You can put effort and energy into it, but you will get nowhere. We want to learn about calm in the chaos. So we've been actually walking through this series. The first week, Pastor Farrell taught us a message about celebrating God's goodness or rejoicing in the Lord always. Then last week, he taught us to ask God for help or let our requests be made known to him. Today, we want to talk about leaving our concerns with God. By a show of hands, all the honest people in the room, how many of you have true and genuine worries and concerns in your life? Anyone? Good, if you've been alive for more than 15 minutes, I guarantee you have something. <laughs> I mentioned to you that I have a son, I also have a daughter, and uh, dad, you will get this. As a father, my daughter is only seven, but as a father, there are things that are not even here yet that I'm praying against already. <laughs> there are worries and concerns from the future that are trying to come and get me. Listen, the truth is we have to constantly be battling against these things. We recognize that all of us as humans have them. But today we want to talk about leaving those concerns with God instead of carrying them everywhere we go. Then next week we're going to close the series with meditating on good things. So please make sure you come next week. If you haven't had a chance to jump into any of this series, I would encourage you to go on our website and take a listen to Pastor Farrell's last two teachings. I guarantee you will be blessed. Anybody find Philippians chapter 4 yet? I want to read this out loud. We're going to read from the, uh, the NIV translation. Listen to what this says. Paul is speaking, and he says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. He goes on to say, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to point your attention back to verse number six. Notice here, do not be anxious about anything. Doesn't it seem like it would have been enough if he would have said, do not be anxious about some things? Maybe even do not be anxious about most things. 
But isn't it interesting that he says, do not be anxious about anything. He goes on to say, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, then he adds this, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. How many of you know it's easy to give thanks when things are going well? It's a little more difficult when things aren't going so well. But Paul is saying in every situation you find yourself in, the good, the okay, the tough, the amazing, whatever situation you find yourself in, Paul is saying don't be anxious about anything because ultimately you should be giving thanks in everything. Every situation, every place you find yourself, thanks should be leaving your heart and overflowing out of your mouth. What I've learned about life is you can't always control what goes on outside, but you can always control what goes on inside. Life is all about choices. When worry and anxiety come our way, we get to choose how we will respond. Your choice will either feed the anxiety or dispel the anxiety. Notice, the ball is in our court. We have to choose. I want to give you four choices today that you have to make in order to live a life free of concerns because you've left those concerns with God. So number one, choose to focus on God and not the problem. Choose to focus on God and not the problem. How many of you know the story of David and Goliath? It's a pretty cool story. Seven of us know it. It's really neat. But uh, the thing I love about this story is David in the scripture is just a young boy at the time. And he finds himself in this interesting situation. His older brothers are with the army of Israel. So the army of Israel is in battle formation against the Philistine army. But instead of going directly into battle, the Philistine army sends out a champion by the name of Goliath. Goliath is a very tall, a big man. He is a giant. And Goliath stands out and he begins to defy the armies of Israel and say, send out your champion, Israel. Let him fight against me. Why would everyone here fight? Let just the two of us fight and whoever wins, their army wins. How many of you know that's some some confidence right there? Send out anyone from your entire army and let's fight. Well, all the children of Israel, think about it, all their army, all the mighty men, let's say it this way, the Navy SEALs, the Army Rangers, all of them are afraid. No one's stepping up to fight. So day after day, Goliath is coming out and he's saying, come on, Israel, why are we wasting our time? Send out your champion. Meanwhile, back at home, or we would say meanwhile back at the ranch, David is tending to his father's sheep. His father calls him in from the field and says, David, I want you to take these supplies to your brothers who are fighting in the battle. David's like, all right. He gets there, and as he gets there, he hears this giant Goliath yelling and screaming and calling out for someone to fight against him. And he's like, what, what's, what's all this about? And if, if I can fast forward the story, David makes the decision to say, I'm going to step out and fight this guy. And his brothers and everyone is like, are you, if you don't just be quiet, what are you talking about? You are just a kid. This man is a trained warrior. Don't do this. David's like, no, I'll do it. Some of the other guys in the army are like, did he say he'll do it? Let's take him to the, to the king and let the king know that he's going to do it. Long story short, David steps out to fight Goliath. And I want you to see what happens here in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. David approaches Goliath and listen to what he says. David says to the Philistine, 
You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of all the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Listen to this. This day, this is still David. This is what he's saying. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistines army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, I have to read this. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Does that sound like a man full of confidence? You guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I get very excited when I start reading the word because it just stirs something inside of me. Did you hear what this boy just said? He's standing out in front of Goliath who's like, bring him on. Whoever it is, line him up. Let's go. David comes out and says, today I'm taking your head. All the Navy SEALs are back here like, man, that's a bad boy. He's bad. <laughs> right? David's like, today I'm going to demonstrate that it's not about my might. It's not about my power. It's by the power of God that you are going to be deli- or we're going to be delivered from you today. And Goliath is probably looking at him like, is this a joke? Are you serious? And David's saying, Every- everybody's going to know today. Everybody's going to know. When we see the Philistines defeated, everybody's going to know that God did this. But I learned something about David here. I learned that David's not from the South. He's not. Let me tell you why. Let me read verse 47 again. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give, listen to this, all of you into our hands. All of you. He gave it away, right? He he let me know I'm not from the South, because if he was from the South, they'd read a little different. It would say something like, today, all y'all going to know. All y'all going to know, right? Listen, here's the truth. Some of us in our lives need to stand up to our enemies and say, today, all y'all going to know that God is for me. All y'all going to know. I don't care if it's the enemy of depression. I don't care if it's the enemy of anxiety. I don't care if it's the enemy of worry. All y'all going to know that God is on my side. David stood up in confidence. Yes, Goliath was confident in his own strength. David was confident in the Lord. We have to be people who say, I choose, I absolutely choose to focus on God and not my problem. All y'all going to know God is on my side. Amen? Amen. Second thing I want you to know today is very simple. We have to choose to live with an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. Do me a big favor. I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to smile as big as you can. Come on, you can do it. Look at your neighbor and smile. Some of you are mad. Like I told you, he, told, he said it was an early service. Why is he making us do this? Just smile. Some of you can't do it. You're looking at me like, I, I refuse. <laughs> Listen, the truth is when we smile, it does something in here. It's hard to have a bad attitude when you have a huge smile on your face. Listen, it's hard to be in worry and anxiety when you're full of thanksgiving. It's hard to be stressed out when all you're thinking of is, man, God, you've been so good. I'm so grateful for today. 
How many of you know we can always find something to be grateful for? Something, something. Some of you may have to look a little harder than others, but you can find something to be grateful for. Something I tell my family often, I say, hey, let's just take a moment and thank God that he woke us up this morning. My kids are the best because they're like, oh, sure, okay. <laughs> and we're like, Lord, thank you for another day. Why? It's us practicing a posture of thanksgiving, us giving thanks to God. But the truth is, if we choose not to live with an attitude of gratitude, we put ourselves in a position where we begin to let worry and anxiety take over because we begin to think on those things instead of thinking on the things that are good. And what it does inside of us, it makes something just a little off. Have you ever met someone and when you walked away, you thought, huh, something was just a little off. <laughs> Please don't point, don't nudge anyone. Just, just sometimes you feel like something there was a little off. I remember when I was a young boy, uh, there was this vehicle that I wanted, a car. I, I would see it sometime and I think, man, when I can drive, I'm going to get that car. And it was a, a Nissan 300Z. Anybody know what that is? And uh, they had a twin turbo model. And I was like, man, I want that car. That, that's going to be mine one day. And I'll never forget, I got to the age where I could buy one. And uh, it wasn't my first car. I had a, a car or two before then. But uh, I was going to buy one. And I saw one that needed some work. And I had this weird idea. You know what? I'm going to save some money, buy that one, and then I'm going to fix this thing up. Like, it's going to be even better because I worked on it. Just let me be honest. I don't know how to work on a car at all, right? <laughs> But I had this just thought, like, I'm going to do this. So I bought this 1991 Nissan 300ZX. It was beautiful pearl white. It was the, the like peanut butter interior, the leather. It was great. I was like, man, this is so cool. But that car had issues. <laughs> One day I was driving to work, minding my own business, had the radio going, just having a good time. The T-tops are off. I mean, it's good. I lived in California. Life was good. And I'm driving the car, and, and I get up to about 45 miles per hour, and all of a sudden, the car started violently shaking. Like, I mean, violently shaking. So it startled me, but I grabbed onto the wheel, and I'm like white-knuckling it, and it's doing this, and I'm like, okay, okay, what's happening, right? So I slow the car down, I eventually pull over, and I'm getting out, I'm looking at the tires, like, what is happening? I don't know what to do. I don't know how to work on a car, so I'm just looking at it. You got air in the tires, everything okay? Whew. Oh, I got to get to work. So I get back in the car. <laughs> I'm driving again, about 35, 40 miles per hour. What? So I took the long, slow rate of work that day. I finally get to work. I forget all about the car. I'm working, doing my thing. It's time for me to get off work. And as I'm walking out, the security guard goes, hey, Marcus. I say, yeah, what's up, man? He goes, my wife has our car today. You mind if I hop in with you? Could you give me a ride home? And I'm not thinking about this wobbly car, right? I'm like... Yeah, they, no pro And it hits me. Oh, no. So I said, well, where do you live, right? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, can I take the slow route to his house, you know? Where do you live? He's like, I don't live too far. I said, oh, okay, well, come on, you know. So as we're walking to the car, I'm trying to, like, warn him that, you know, this car is a project, you know. <laughs> I'm going to fix this thing up. And he's like, oh, yeah, those are nice cars. That's awesome, you know. So we get in the car. We're driving. We stop at the light. We're having a great conversation. I completely forget that if I hit 45 miles per hour, this car is going to shake violently. We're driving in the car. I'm laughing, talking. I get up to about 43 miles per hour, and it hits me. What are you doing? But it's too late. 
The car starts violently shaking. Now, I was prepared. I braced myself. He was not prepared. The car started shaking. He's like, what? He grabs on. He's holding on to the door and to the middle console. And the car is shaking. And I'm embarrassed. And I'm just like, hey, this is my project. And, and, and while we're driving, I slow it down a bit. And it stops shaking. And he's like, and he looks over. He goes, bro, you need to get that fixed, right? <laughs> How many of you know something was just a little bit off? I finally take the car and they're like, bro, your alignment is shot. Your car can't track straight. So when you get up to a certain speed, it begins to shake. Here's the truth. Because the alignment was off, the car couldn't function the way it was designed to function. Come on, I'm about to preach to somebody. When we choose not to live in praise and worship and gratitude, something inside of here gets a little off. And then we can't function the way we were created to function because we are our, let's say it this way, our alignment needs to be adjusted or our alignment needs to be adjusted. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. The truth of the matter is we have to choose to live with an attitude of gratitude. Number three, choose the pathway of contentment. Choose the pathway of contentment. I love what Philippians 4, 11 and 12 says, <clears throat> the apostle Paul speaking, he says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Notice he said, I have learned the secret of being content. If you were to continue to read there into verse number 13, the Apostle Paul says this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I want you to know the secret to being content. Come on, the secret to being content. You guys want to know what that is? Leaning into the strength of Jesus Christ. You see, contentment is simply you wanting what you have. Can I speak to someone in this place today? Husbands, you wanting the wife that you have. Not some other lady you saw jogging down the street. Wives, you wanting the husband that you have. Not some influencer you saw on Instagram. Uh-oh. <laughs> you wanting the vehicle you have, even if it shakes a little bit. <laughs> You wanting the house that you have. You being grateful for what God has given you. And the way you can do that is tapping into the strength that only Christ can provide for you. We have to be people who learn to be content. When we do so, we choose to put ourselves in a position where we can live a life in the calm. And lastly, choose to live a life of worship. It has become my tradition that every time I speak, I have to say something about our amazing worship team. <laughs> they are amazing, aren't they? We are so blessed to have people with these types of giftings and strengths to share those gifts with us so that we can worship the Lord together in this type of atmosphere. But I want to I kind of close on this story in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. Many of you know the story of Jehoshaphat, but you can turn there or either follow along on the screens. But in this story in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, King Jehoshaphat hears about the fact that there are armies, plural, coming against his nation. And how many of you know, I don't care how powerful of a nation you are, if you hear there are other armies coming against you and you weren't prepared for this, that's a scary place to be. King Jehoshaphat hears that these armies are coming against him. And listen to what he says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 3. It starts off by saying, alarmed, <laughs> afraid, if we modernize it, we could say freaked out. Jehoshaphat resolved, listen to this, to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to 
seek help from their neighboring armies, to seek help from hmm, Google maybe, to seek help from, no, notice what it says, to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Notice that the, the king and his people decided there are armies coming against us. And instead of trying to muster our troops and figure out how strong we are and what we can do, let's do this instead. Let's turn our attention to God. Let's seek him. Let's proclaim a fast throughout the nation and let's see what God will do. Matter of fact, if we skip down to verse 12, it says this. This is after King Jehoshaphat begins to pray with all the people, talking to God, reminding God of what Solomon prayed when he dedicated the temple, how if they called to God, God would deliver them in that place. Listen to what he says in verse number 12 in the midst of his prayer. He says, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Here it is. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. There's something powerful about this statement. Jehoshaphat was honest with God. God, I don't know what to do. I'm the king of this nation. The people are looking to me. The best thing I could do is tell them, let's all together seek after God and see what he would say. Our God, listen, husbands, can I speak to you for a moment? I have experience in this. In this. And to some of you guys, my 16 years of marriage is like a, a drop in the water. But to some of you guys, you hear 16 years of marriage, you think, wow, you made it that far. That's awesome. This is what I know. My marriage is better if me and my wife run into tribulations or trials when I take the lead and say, come on, let's go to God. Let's, let's get together. Let's carve out some time. Let's get on our face and let's just see what God would do. When I'm honest with my wife and say, sweetheart, I don't know what to do, but let's turn our eyes towards God. Wives, listen, my marriage is better when I'm a little off and my wife comes to me and says, babe, no, no. Let's remember God is our source. Let's turn our attention to God. Let's turn our attention to God. All the single folk are like, see, you're always talking about marriage. What about me? Right? Listen, single folks, for you too, your life will be better is when you run into situations in your life, instead of trying to go to friends and family and ask, what should I do, what should I do? You turn to God and say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. You know what happens after he prays this? A prophet stands up with the word of the Lord on his tongue. And he begins to declare prophecy, word of the Lord to the people of Israel. He says, this battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. You're not even going to have to fight. How does that make sense? There are armies surrounding us, and you're saying we're not going to have to fight? Listen to the way this reads. Verse 17, or verse 15 says, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Verse 17 says, you will not have to fight in this battle. Verse 21 says, this is what King Jehoshaphat does. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out, listen, at the head of the army or in the front of the army, this is what they begin to say. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise the Lord. So they're singing and praising. Look at what the Lord is doing. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. I don't know if you heard me. What kind of battle is this? What kind of Lord is this to where when we set our attention on him, he says the battle's not even yours to fight. All I want you to do is praise and worship me and watch what I will do. Something took place. You guys know the song. This is how we fight our battles. Some of you sing that song, but do you practice that in your life? 
When the enemy surrounds you, do you stand up and say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. So I'm going to praise, I'm going to worship. And as they praised and worshiped, in faith they engaged God. And as they did, God set ambushes. And the enemy was defeated. Can you imagine if we as Grace Covenant became those type of people who when the enemy came and surrounded us, we didn't freak out. We just turned to God, begin to lift our hands and sing out to him, Lord, we trust you. Lord, you are the God who heals. Lord, you are the God who provides. Lord, you are the God who delivers. Lord, you are the God who is working something in our lives. You are the God doing something even right now. And as we do it, he sets ambushes against our enemies. Now, I told you in the beginning I was going to blow through this because I wanted to give us some time to practice. Because this is what I've learned. Practice is a safe, when you come to practice for your sports team, that's a safe environment where the coach is trying to help you get better. Now, when you get on the field in the game, the other team's not trying to help you get better at all. (laughs) They're trying to win. But in a practice setting, you can do things and try things that you may not be comfortable so that in the game, you have practiced already, you'll be comfortable in that type of situation and you'll know how to get victory. That's what I want us to do today. In fact, I want to ask you to all stand on your feet. We have our worship team with us. This is what we're going to do. We're choosing to live life in the calm. But we can't live life in the calm by just our own strength. Israel had an army. They could have went out and physically fought against the people of the surrounding armies. But instead, they chose to turn to God. Some of us are surrounded by things now. I love that Justin asked and opened up the altars and said, please come. If you want to come, come. I love seeing people be bold enough and brave enough to come. But I can tell you honestly, that's just a percentage of those who really needed to come. There's some of us who were fighting even. I want to come. And I, 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 but what are people going to think? Listen, who cares? Who cares? This is your team. We're all on the same team. Can somebody say amen to that? So when one of us comes up, you know what we do? If you see someone else come up, guess what? You should pray for them. I'm standing right over here and I see people and as soon as they come up, Lord, bless her, Lord. Lord, whatever she's asking of you, we're asking that you do. I'm coming into agreement with that prayer. I'm coming into agreement with what he says. Listen, because we're on the same team. So notice, when they were surrounded, they lifted their voice and began to praise. Praise God for his holiness. Praise God for how good he is. I want to ask us to do something that might stretch some of us today. Our worship team is going to begin leading us in the song that we sang earlier, saying that we're going to see a victory. It's almost like when we sing songs like this, we're prophesying God's promises in our lives. We're just saying what he has already said. But I want to ask you to do something that might stretch you. I want to ask you all over this room just to lift your hands. Lift your hands before God. Come on. It might stretch us a little bit. That's okay. You're not lifting your hands to me. You're lifting your hands to God. This is simply a sign of surrender where you're opening up your physical posture is demonstrating where your heart posture is. As our worship team leads us, I want you to sing. And I want you to sing with your hands lifted. If you feel comfortable, you want to kneel, that's fine. But let's sing out to God. And some of you may need to tell him why you're singing. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do with my teenage children. I don't know what to do with my marriage. I don't know what to do with my finances. I don't know what to do with my work situation. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Listen, I want to encourage you with this. Call out to God. He's faithful. He's real. He hears us. He answers. He's a good God. He wants to answer. Let's begin to just lift it up now. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Our trust is in you, Lord. Thank you, God.
Now listen, listen. We just declared out of our mouths, I'm going to see a victory because the battle belongs to the Lord. We just said that out of our mouth. So whatever situation you're facing, that's what you're now declaring to that situation. All y'all talking about the enemies, all y'all. I'm going to see a victory because this battle belongs to the Lord. So as we go into the verse of the song, as you're singing, say it to the enemy. Sing that song to the enemy. Let them know this is how it works. God is on my side. I'm not fighting this battle. I'm simply praising him and he's setting ambushes. Can we do that today? Let's not shrink back. Let's sing out to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. The way may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't leave. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will
God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Listen, you just practiced. So that means when we leave this place, the game is on. Listen, the enemy tries to come immediately, the Bible says, to steal the word. You just received the seed of the incorruptible word of God in your heart today. The enemy wants to snatch that from you because if he snatches it, it won't be able to take root and grow and produce fruit, but not on our watch, amen? I said not on our watch, amen? We're not gonna let him steal that. In fact, we're walking out of this place equipped so when he comes, we're gonna sing out to him, let him know, oh no, Satan, not at all. I'm guarding my heart against you, trying to take this away. If he comes again, we can lift our hands and sing out to God. We can give thanks and praise, and we can watch our God set ambushes against our enemies in the name of Jesus. Praise God, praise God. How many of you believe this is gonna be a different week for you? Praise God. It will be, it really will be. I wanna pray and declare that over you as we dismiss, but don't leave what you learned here. Let's take that with us and let's charge out into this week victorious because God is for us. Let's pray. Father, we say thank you for your goodness and your mercy that endures forever. Thank you for the word, your word, that we were able to receive today. Lord, we pray now that you would help us to guard our hearts, to protect the word that went in today. The enemy, we declare in the name of Jesus, has no place nor opportunity in our lives. He cannot steal this word. We will apply this word and we will walk out in victory. I thank you that there will be testimonies even of this week, how we experience supernatural calm because as we praise, as we worship, you set ambushes against our enemies. So we say thank you, God, for your goodness, and we give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Let's clap our hands and say thank God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise God. Praise God. God is so good. Listen, as you leave today, I want you to go out with a smile, even if that means stretching the face into the smile. That's all right. Let's smile. Before you go, can you turn to at least one person and say, you are victorious. We'll see you next week. <laughs>